Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church as they run out. Do you guys have the same uh, anticipation, excitement as the children do for Children's Church? All right. Their energy all the time, that that would be great. My name is Pastor David. I am the associate pastor here at West Hill. Um, our senior pastor is on a break, vacation, whatever you want to call it. So we're glad that him and his family are able to get away. So you are stuck with me. <laughs> no no response. Yay, like shorter sermon. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, no, I. Actually, I'm excited because there's there's this question I've been wanting to ask for, I don't know, it's been 17 years, and having to, to wait for the right sermon to, to do this in, and if you wait patiently, God provides. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 2 today, just so you know, um, as we talk about Rahab, characters of faith, but I had a question for you. Who in the Bible was born but had no parents. It's a joke. It's not Adam and Eve, but yes. Well, they weren't born. They were created. Joshua, son of none. <laughs> oh, I've told that joke before, but I've never gotten to do it up here before. So I love that one. Dad, yeah, dad jokes are fun. They're amazing. Um, no, I, I'm excited again to, to be up here to talk about our next character of faith. We've been doing a series, Characters of Faith, and as we read through Hebrews, the next one is Rahab, um, and we'll read about her story in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, like I mentioned, um, so you can flip there, but and we will, I will keep doing what Pastor Aaron has been doing as we stand and read through that, but not yet. I do want to give some context here before we get into it, before we read it. So as we are reading this portion of scripture, you kind of know where we're coming from and what we're leading up to. Um, the Israelites are still not in the promised land at this point. That's what they're getting ready to do here. Um, in the book, of jo the book of Joshua starts right on the heels on the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 34, we read about the death of Moses and how he died in Moab. And the Israelites grieved for about 30 days, as it says in verse 8 there. Um, and then verse 9, it tells us that Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. It was kind of a way of passing on leadership to Joshua, something that he would have been called to do by God and moving everything over to Joshua then. So then we start in Joshua chapter 1, mentioning again Moses' death and the Lord speaking to Joshua about what is to come of them and the Israelites. Um, and basically God is reinforcing at this time the promises that were given to the Israelites. He's saying them to Joshua now about the promised land. And God tells Joshua in regards to taking the promised land, he says in chapter one, verse nine, he says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then this leads us, leads Joshua to getting the men ready for battle, 
uh, but first he wants to send spies into the land and get them ready and to find out um, what is going on in Jericho and what they need to do to be prepared to attack the city. Um, I do think it is very important to know what's going on around scripture, and Pastor Aaron does a great job with that. Um, it's good to know context. Why? Because this is historical. I think all too often we think of these stories and these characters of faith as fairy tales sometimes, and that's not it at all. Uh, when, I, when I teach the teens, I often tell them, this is real. This actually happened. This isn't something that's just some story from us to learn from, uh, again, some fairy tale. And so we are to take it serious and to see what, what happened in the past, historically, and what God has us to learn uh, from it today. But before we do that, before we read scripture, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing on this time. Lord, we do give you thanks for this time together. Um, thank you for our time of worship so far through, through music, Lord, and just being able to praise you. Lord, you are the one that deserves all of that. And I just pray as we uh, prepared our hearts, as we gave our focus to you, that, that it would still be our focus today as we get into your word. Lord, that it wouldn't be about me up here today, um, that it would be my words, but yours. Um, Lord, we want to learn from you as we read your scripture. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So would you stand with me? We're going to read all of Joshua chapter 2. It is not as much as what Pastor Aaron read last week. We were standing for quite some time. So only if you are willing and able would you stand. I know that everybody is not able to, and that's fine. So let's read from Joshua chapter 2. Rahab hides the spies. And it's up on the screen if you need it. And Joshua, the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shechem as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I do not know where they are from. And when the gate was about to, to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax. And she, laid him or, and she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the, gates was, was, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and, I fear, and the fear of, the, of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord had dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, and Sihon and Gog, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you, for the Lord your God. He is God in the heavens and above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house, and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, 
our life for yours, even to death. If you, if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly, with you, kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then, if anyone goes out of the doors of your household into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if his hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord on the window. Then they departed... Then they departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. You may be seated. May God has blessing to the reading of his word. So there's a lot there. Um, as we look into this, we also need to look at Hebrews 11, obviously, as we continue characters of faith. But we not only find Rahab's story at the beginning of Joshua, we find it mentioned throughout the Bible in a couple of different places. Uh, but Hebrews 11, 30 through 31 is going to be up there. Um, that's also one of the places. And Let's read that before we dig into anything. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So the writer first mentions, first of all, that they, what the Israelites came there to do. They came to take the city of Jericho. And the, the faith of what they did, if you know that story... Um, of walking around the walls for seven days. I mean, that, that is not the style of attack you normally would know if you know that story. And we don't have time to get into all of that, unfortunately. But that would have taken a ton of faith in and of itself. Um, but here's the thing we need to remember, and this is what the writer is telling us in Hebrews. The, the faith that was demonstrated outside those walls came after the faith that was demonstrated inside the walls. There was faith shown by someone that was great, and God used that person, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to go back to the beginning of chapter 2, and we'll just go through this piece by piece, and then I have some challenges for us at the end. It says, chapter 2, verse 1, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shechem as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So their mission from the beginning was a secret. It was a secret from, obviously, Jericho. 
And it was a secret from the other rest of the army. They were, they were holding out, um, possibly because they didn't want news to spread and have an, an ill effect on the rest of the soldiers. We've seen that before in the past with Israel where things had gone bad. Um, they went straight into the house of Rahab. We're not told how they got there um, or how that came about, but it's obviously God's sovereignty. There is no doubt about that. Um, God clearly had a plan. God, in his grace, had a plan to spare Rahab and her family from the judgment to come. And here's the thing. Who are we to judge who God saves and does not save? or uses, or does not use. It is not up to us. Praise the Lord, it is not up to us to save, right? Praise the Lord for that. We are called to share his gospel and to share his message. It is not up to us to do the saving part. And so we give thanks to that. Thanks to God for that. Um, many through the years have tried to explain away the prostitute part, um, the harlot part of Rahab, especially since she's in the line of Christ on Joseph's side. Um, but the translation here in, in uh, the Old Testament and in uh, Hebrews and in James is pretty clear that, uh, that it does mean prostitute. That it is someone who is selling themselves for, for that reason. Um, and there is no reason to explain it away. It, it's okay that God used a prostitute to save and, and her family and for the Israelites to come and take the city after that. It's okay for that. And that's where I think we get in our heads too much where we're trying to make things work out. Well, God can, God can fend for himself. It's okay. It's actually a wonderful foreshadowing of Jesus and who he sat with and who he talked to because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was often rebuked by the religious leaders for who he hung out with, for who he sat with. Um, but here we have God who chose a sinner like you and me to save. Rahab wasn't perfect, and God wasn't looking for that. He wanted someone who believed. And there was one person in that city who believed, who had faith. And we'll get into the more of that in a little bit um, at the end. Um, Rahab was willing to be used by God. Verse 2, it says, And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. So it's, it's, it's obviously that the, obvious that these men um, of the Israelites, these spies, stood out too much, and they were seen going into Rahab's house. Um, so, they, so they demanded that they would be brought out. We don't know more than what is said here, but Rahab makes a decision based on her suspicions about these men, knowing what has been going on around the other kingdoms around her. And we can see what her, her decision is and her response to the king is. As we continue to read in verse 4, it says, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she laid in order on the roof. So Rahab, knowing the soldiers were coming, she knew that that was happening, she hid the spies quickly. 
She then told the soldiers that she, of course, saw the men. That was obvious. For her to deny that would to reveal them very quickly. Others had seen them around. Others had saw the, them at the house and going into the house, possibly. Um, and then she goes on to deceive the soldiers and make them believe that the spies had left and gone out before it was dark. And this always brings about the question, Rahab's lying. Is it, was it okay for Rahab to lie in this situation? That is a question that comes up a ton. And I'm not going to dig a ton into it, but I, do, I will answer that question with another question. First question, was it okay for Rahab to lie? My question is, could God have saved these spies even if Rahab would have been honest? Yes. For us, looking back and seeing what she did, it's a simple answer for us to see in our situation. But it is truth. God could have done what he needed to do for his purpose and his will to follow through. We've seen God blind the eyes of people. We've seen him hide his armies from, from other armies. It's amazing. I mean, he is the creator. It would not have been hard for God to protect the spies in this situation if Rahab would have told the truth. But we also need, and this doesn't justify Rahab, but we also need to remember the culture and what she came from and the situation she's living in. She is not perfect. So she did what she thought was best in the time, of, and some people try to explain it away as war. In times of war, you can lie and do this or that. I'm not going to get into any of that. All I'm going to say is, in that situation, in any situation, God is able to, to do what he needs to do for his will and his purpose to go forward. She did not need to lie. We know that. Um, and I'm not going to dig any further into what could have been or what should have been or whatever. Um, but it, again, it shows that Rahab was not perfect. But God's still using her, right? God is still using her. We are not perfect either. God will never ask us to lie for him. It goes against who he is because God is truth. Amen? It's easier for us to, again, think back of what she could have done or should have done. But we need to watch ourselves, again, as we judge others and the circumstances they're in. We can definitely learn from what she did. Um, so moving on. Verse 7. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So the soldiers believed Rahab here mostly because if they didn't believe her, they didn't have time to go search the house. They had to pick one or the other. They couldn't search the house and then go look because she made it seem as if they had just left and they were in a hurry. So they had to go find them as quick as they could. Um, and so they went after them. They believed her and went after them. Verse 8, before the men lay down, she came up to them. And this is, this is a section I really want to hit on today and what we'll focus on at the end as well. Um, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. 
For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. This conversation from Rahab to these spies is amazing. It proclaims Rahab's faith. And just to, to think about that, Rahab starts by declaring that the Lord, not just anyone, the word here is Yahweh, has given them the land. I am has given them the land. There's already an acknowledgement there of who God is in that statement alone. The Israelite army hasn't even crossed into the Jordan and Rahab is saying it's as good as done. She knows in her head based off of past situations and what she believes about the Israelites' God that Jericho's done for. There is no hope for them. And so she's starting to believe, she has this faith now that, hmm, who, who is this God that continues to do miraculous things one after another for them, that continues to hand kingdoms over to them? Who is this God? And she wants to know more, and she, is, she believes in him and who he is. She goes on and says, or goes on and says, the fear of you has full, fallen upon us and that all inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Rahab reveals important information to the spies that Jericho would not want to pass on. You wouldn't pass this on to someone. If this is your land that you're wanting to protect, you wouldn't pass this on. It's important information for them to go back and then tell the, the commander, Joshua, of the Israelites, hey, look, look, this land is ours already. Why is there all this fear? Well, they know that they have heard the stories of what the God of the Israelites have done. Just as I mentioned, God dried up the Red Sea. We see this in here, which wasn't yesterday. It was about 40 years before this. They've been wandering for quite some time, remember? And there's still those stories are still being passed on. He conquers Sihon and Og and the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. Now the Israelites were at their doorsteps. What are they going to do? The people are all freaking out. Rahab then makes the statement of faith. This, this is the, the statement from Rahab that changes everything for her and shows us her faith. It says, For the Lord, your, your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Rahab declares that Yahweh is the God of all. Everything. Of the heavens to the earth. Of everything. Her response is amazing as she is seen and heard and what she's seen and heard about God up to this point it's because of circumstances she hasn't talked one-on-one -on -one with anybody it's only stuff that she has heard about God and she is proclaiming this because of what she has heard Rahab then demonstrates her faith by hiding the spies in the first place and then declared her faith in God to them it would be easy for anyone in that city to say, oh, we believe in God, we believe in your God, and then go off and like, hey, save us, whatever. But Rahab actually risked her life and her family's life and demonstrated her faith in God. She was willing to be used by God. And, that's, and so that's something I want you to think about as we continue on, as we read through the rest, and this is something we'll hit on at the end. Are you willing to be used by God? Do you view yourself as someone who is willing and able to be used by God? Worthy to be used by God is what some people think. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. 
and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Rahab then makes a deal here, not only for her life, but the lives of her family. And this shouldn't be surprising. If she really does truly believe in who God is, then why would she not want to save her family and be able to share that with them as well and to be able to continue to work in their lives and share what she believes? Rahab uses a word here, kindly. Each time she is using this Hebrew word, hesed, it means loyal, steadfast, or faithfulness based on a promise or agreement. So again, your words are very important as we learn throughout uh, Scripture, and they, are, and they have a lot of meaning to them. And here this word hesed is a promise, a faithfulness, of loyalness. And she, when she is asking them to deal kindly with them, she is offering them, hey, let's make a, let's make a promise here. Let's make an agreement. And the spy's response is exactly what she asked for as they use the same word back to her in verse 14. Um, it says, we will deal hesed and faithfully with you. We will deal hesed and faithfully with you. Verse 15, as we go on, this is a longer section because we we'll keep moving. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter, encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. Then the men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours, that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you will gather into your house, your father and your mother, your brothers and all your family's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell us, but if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So after Rahab prepares a way for them to go and escape, the spies give her two conditions for the pact that they are going to make sure is clear that will happen. Actually, three of them. The first is her house must be marked with a scarlet cord. The second is Rahab and her family must remain in the house during the attack. That alone would be very difficult to do as you are hiding everyone in this household and you're hearing all these things going on around you that are not good sounds and not good things going on, it would be very difficult to stay in there. I'm sure they were frightened through that whole thing. And then third, if you tell everyone, anyone about this, we will be guiltless with what will happen. So this is a lot to hold on to, but it shows the seriousness and severity of what is about to happen to the city of Jericho. And so then you have the spies, they left, and what was the first thing she did after they left? She tied a scarlet cord in the window. That is the first thing I would do. You have three things you're requested to do. If you know me, when you tell me something to do, and you're out talking to me wherever, what is one of the first things I do? 
I pull my phone out. I click on my reminders. And I type in whatever you just asked me to do, because if you know me, I am not going to remember. I have a hard enough time remembering to check my reminders. So if I was Rahab in the situation, I would have done the same thing. All right, put the scarlet cord out or death. It's like, but she didn't put in her reminders. She immediately put it out. Because again, the seriousness of the situation, she, she knew. Again, she had faith in this God who was going to allow these Israelites, his people, to come in and take this land. That's how much faith she had. And so she is following everything that they said that needed to happen. Um, so this rope was important because her house was built into the city wall as well. Um, they asked her to put it in the window. And you must be thinking, well, if she's built into the city wall, how did her, how did her house not come tumbling down? If you know the song, you, and the walls came tumbling down. Um, the, the city walls of Jericho, back then, they actually had two circling around them. And she was on the inner, she would have been on the inner wall. There was like 15 feet, from what I remember reading, separating the two and planks of wood crossing over them. And so she would have been on the inner wall and her window would have been right there. So, she, so any soldiers coming in would have seen that scarlet cord hanging from the window, knowing, let's leave that house alone. They are protected by God. Um, so the infiltration, the spies have gotten in. It was complete. They were able to get away. Um, they go and they, they, they talk to Joshua. Um, it was all a success. And why was it a success? Because God saw someone who was faithful to him and he used her. God used a sinner like you and me to help this mission be a success and then leave and lead to the downfall of Jericho and what was to come. Um, again, the Israelites were given some interesting commands about marching around the city. I think I skipped a whole section as I looked away. Oh, verse 22. Let's read 22. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They had come down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also the, all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So again, that information that they were told was passed along. Uh, and then we get to the Israelites who were given those commands. Um, and that, again, that took a ton of faith for them to walk around the city like they were told for the seven days, for how long it was. Um, it's amazing what they did. And that actually leads, that's chapters three, four, five. And then we get to chapter six. Um, if you want to turn with there with me, I think I put it in there. Thank you. Yep. Um, it says, chapter 6, verse 22, and this is, this is finally, we do get to see what happens to Rahab, which is great. It says, but the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua, but to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all, the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. 
And they brought all her relatives and put them outside of the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the houses of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. All of this because someone was faithful and believed in the God who could dry up the Red Sea and conquer any king. Rahab took a step of faith from the beginning and was willing to be used by God. She didn't plan out any of this knowing that God would send the spies her way, but she believed and took action when it came her way. When the situation was at hand, she took action and was willing to be used by God. So I guess my first challenge for us today, um, and you could put those up at the end there, is are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to be used by God? All too often, we, we get caught up in ourselves. We get thinking that we don't deserve to be used, that we aren't good enough. We may even think, why me? This is, this is through scripture too. Moses even saying, how can you use me? I can't speak well. You can't use me. We see that. But God has a purpose and a plan for you. He has a purpose and a plan for me. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter uh, what is happening, God provides a way out or a way through it. And he wants to use you through that circumstance. We see this here with Rahab. All too often, we want to be in control and say we aren't worthy. We're, we're not worthy. We aren't, but that's the, that's the amazing thing about it. God still wants to use us. God still chooses us despite our imperfection. He still wants to be in a relationship with us. I think when we step in and, and we tell God that we aren't good enough, then we are starting to take over and we're starting to tell God what we think is best. And that's not a good thing. How, how dare we tell the God of the universe who created everything what is good and what's best for us in our life? Rahab's faith allowed her to be used by God and it saved her not only spiritually but physically as well in this instance. And so the question is, again is, does your faith in God and what he has for your life allow you to be used by him? Don't try to be in control. Hand it over to him and see what he can do through you. You can't stop God's plans. Amen? You can't stop them, but you can be a part of them. He's going to use you if you're willing to let him do it. He'll use you one way or another. I'd like to be on his side and be used by him for a good way. Second challenge. Is your faith demonstrated by your actions? Is your faith demonstrated by your actions? I'm going to go back a little bit and first of all start with Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Again, for by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. We are saved through faith in what Christ did on the cross for our sins, nothing else. Amen? Then on top of that, though, in addition, our faith, however, can be demonstrated through 
our actions. And that what James, that's what James gets into here in the New Testament, uh, where he says, faith without works is dead. So again, I ask, is your faith demonstrated by your actions? James actually even talks about, about Rahab this way, which I think is awesome. In James 2.25, James 2.25, he says, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. James isn't saying that Rahab's actions saved her, but he is pointing out the fact that is. It's more than just saying something. Again, I said that earlier before. It's more than just words. God is the only one who can judge your heart when you do talk to him and you tell him that, Lord, I want to have this relationship with you. Lord, I'm giving everything to you. I believe what your son did on the cross for my sins. Lord, I repent for my sins. I turn away from that and I follow you. When you say those words, there's nothing magical about the words themselves. It's what's in your heart as you say, as you say them. And if you, really, if you actually truly mean them, God is the one that knows that. And then from there on, if you truly meant it, then there's actions that follow those words. It is displayed in your life. Again, we're not perfect. We have our ups and downs. But our faith is demonstrated through our actions. Rahab's faith in this God that she had only heard about produced works that risked her and her family's lives. And in the end, again, it saved them. Rahab believed, had faith, God used her, and now her story is forever written in God's word. A prostitute's story is forever written in God's word. It's, a, it's an amazing thing if you think about it. And just our sin and how much God can use us despite our sin. It's an amazing thing. Now for a drink of water. <laughs> Third challenge. Do you truly see yourself as a child of God? And this kind of goes along with my first one and being willing to be used. Do you truly see yourself as a child of God? I ask this again because of how Rahab is described. Rahab the prostitute over and over again, even into the New Testament. Why would the writers continue to emphasize this part of her? And it's because Rahab's belief and faith allowed her to start in a new relationship with God. So why keep saying it? Because it shows the grace of God, like I was just talking about. No matter what position you find yourself in, if you seek forgiveness in a relationship with God, he will forgive you. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you believe and accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross on your behalf, your slate is wiped clean. You are a new creation and a child of God. Rahab was grafted into the line and lineage of Jesus on Joseph's side. In the same way, when we accept Christ, we were brought into the family as children of God. As we end here, um, I really love what one of the commentaries said that I was reading. It says, We find in the life of Rahab the inspiring story of all sinners who have been saved by grace. In her story, we learn of the amazing grace of God that can save even the worst sinners and bring them into an abundant life in Jesus Christ. What does being a child of God mean? 
This is from a couple different commentaries I have, just a list that I made. Being a child of God means our sins are paid for and our relationship with God has been restored. It means we have access to the throne of grace through prayer anytime and from any place. It means we have the promise that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, which is Hebrews 4.16. A child of God has an eternity in heaven guaranteed. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 and John 3, 16 through 18. Children of God live in the hope of seeing Jesus face to face. And a child of God is eager to do good works, Titus 2, 14. Because saving faith is a faith that changes us, James 2, 14 and James 2, 26. Human beings were created to live as children of God. Sin marred that purpose and broke that relationship with God. Christ restores us to that original relationship as we repent of sin and place faith in him. God calls people from every era, region, status in life to be his children. John 6:44. For all eternity, the sons and daughters of God will worship him as one, united as a family from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Revelation 7:9 and Revelation 14:6. A child of God lives for him on earth and is eagerly, eagerly awaits a future with him in heaven. Philippians 1.21 and Galatians 2.20. If you have a personal relationship with Christ, you are a child of God. So let's start living like it. Rahab believed and was willing to be used by God. Her faith in God was demonstrated by her actions, and she became a part of the line of Christ. So again, are you willing to be used by God? Do your actions demonstrate your faith? And if you have given your life to Christ, then you truly are a child of God. And if that's something you haven't done, oh, it is the most important decision you could ever make in your life. And so I challenge you to do that today as well. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and give you thanks for this time of, of learning about Rahab and, and just what it teaches us about faith. Lord, she is not perfect. She was not perfect. We are not perfect. Lord, I give you thanks that we can learn from her and what, and what faith looks like and how you use imperfection, Lord, to further your will and how you use us uh, in, in mighty ways and in amazing ways. And Lord, I pray that, that we would have faith to follow you and to do what you want us to do and to be willing to be used by you. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, as Savior, Lord, that hasn't put you first in their lives, I pray that they would do that today. Lord, there's no magical words to it. Lord, it's accepting you as Savior. It's, it's saying, Lord, I put you first in my life. I trust in what you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to do on the cross for my sins, that you sent him to die on the cross for my sins, that he was buried, and that he rose three days later, showing that he is God. Lord, I repent for my old way, and I turn toward a way of following you. Lord, I pray that someone would believe that today. And Lord, and, and truly mean it in their heart. And confess it, and let others know, Lord, uh, that they're excited about a new life, a new creation that, that they are now because of you. Lord, I pray that we would get excited about those things, that we wouldn't stop and, 
and just hold on to that news that we would share with others as we go from here. Lord, that we would share what we have learned and that we would move forward and share with others how awesome of a God you are and what you do for us. Lord, we thank you for, for everything that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we head out of here again, I pray that we are, we are challenged to demonstrate our faith through our actions. Lord, please bless us as we head out of here today. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you later. Have a wonderful rest of your day.